Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday. Well, high noon plus a few minutes, and I have to take the blame for that because of all the wonderful things about living on Cape Cod, traffic is not one of them, and I didn't allow enough time. So we're getting going a few minutes late, and we have some guests today that will bring us, um, if not unique, at least a, a, a view of Cape Cod we don't see that often. With me today is Haley Robertson, Hey, Haley, and Sarah Clearman, and they have been uh, they have been just such a help and a salvation professionally this summer, as they are the features department interns. However, they are also pretty new to the Cape, and it gives us an opportunity to look at Cape Cape Cod through fresh eyes and um, through, you know, you might be able to tell that there's a few years between us. So through another generation's eyes, you know, we're very interested in reaching everyone from um, students on the Cape to young professionals, to uh, grandparents and retired people. So I introduce you not only to uh, people who are kind of new to the Cape, but also people who are just beginning their careers in journalism. And uh, we've certainly been lucky to have you. But I'd like to talk a little bit about that, um, about you know what brought each of you into journalism and what point you're at in your, your careers. Why don't we start there? Would you like to start first, Haley? Sure. Um, so I first started writing in high school. Um, and I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do for a career, but um, as soon as I got to college, I realized um, this is what I want to do. I started writing for the paper, and um, I've loved it ever since. And Haley won't tell you this, but the paper she refers to <laughs> is the Daily Orange in Syracuse, and uh, which is, is a huge daily, daily newspaper. You print three times a week, right? Yes, three times in print. And she is uh, leaving us early because she has to go back and be editor, one of the few junior students uh, at Syracuse to take on that job. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. And we can also say that uh, Sarah is also leaving us um, at the end of the month to go to a job. This is amazing. Yeah, I will start back um, at a paper in Napa, California, where close by to where I just graduated from school. So I'm excited um, about that. Yeah, but it's been a great, I mean, I got to think, I think the experience I've had here for sort of getting me accustomed to the greater sense of working at a daily paper, like a professional run daily paper. So that's been awesome. Well, certainly the pace is yes. something that, that you have to get used to. Um, and uh, you have graduated. So this is uh, your first real job, you know, in terms yes. of full time. Into the and, real world. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how to break this to you, but you don't get somersaults. <laughs> so. be an adjustment. Anyway, although before you teachers start writing into me, I understand that you get the summer off because you are working triple time during the year and taking homework uh, home to, to grade and that sort of thing. So I'm only just a little jealous, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, tell me now, uh, I know that you're from Plymouth and you're from Connecticut. So had either of you spent much time on Cape Cod before you came to work with us? Um, yeah, so um, like Gwen said, I, I'm from Plymouth, so I visit the Cape um, a few times throughout the year, but this summer has been a completely um, fresh, fresh experience for the Cape um, this summer. I've discovered so many new places and towns that I'd never visited before, um, even though I've 
lived on the South Shore my whole life. So it's still been a really great learning experience about the, about the area. Do you think that um, going someplace for work has made it a lot different than when you were coming? Were you mostly coming down for either shopping or entertainment before? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, and we've had the opportunity to cover so many fun things that it's, it's been interesting going to these festivals and different things that I probably would have gone to for fun, but instead we're writing about them, which has been um, a really, really great opportunity. And uh, Sarah, coming from uh, from Connecticut, had you spent much time on the Cape before you came to us? Yeah, I'd spent um, like a week or two weeks, the previous two summers in high school, uh, visiting a close friend living down here. But this is the longest time that I've spent on the Cape. Obviously, I've been here since June now. And um, it's been a di definitely a different experience kind of getting to see it through my own eyes and um, getting a feel for the place as someone living and, and working here, kind of experiencing what it might be like to be a local on, on the Cape. And it's interesting because I believe you um, are actually switching places with that friend now, living with her parents while she's <laughs> living with someone else's parents? Yeah, um, my friend is spending the summer living up in Portland, Maine with parents of a close friend, and I'm living now with her parents in their home in Kituit. That's something nice about that too, to know that the you know kids grow up, but uh, you still have that that bond yeah. with them. Yeah, it's been really nice. Yeah. Have you guys found that you've developed any? Um, I hate this question, so I'm going to ask it of you. <laughs> uh, of any favorite places or any um, places on the Cape that, and I don't necessarily mean restaurants or entertainment venues. Maybe just natural places that you, you think, oh yeah, I'm on Cape. Um. Yeah, I can start. Um, I think I've never spent time in like the Wellfleet and Truro area before. Um, so when I've you know had to drive out to Provincetown, going through that area um, has been really nice because I usually don't take the drive out there from Plymouth. So I'd say like the Outer Cape has been um, one of my favorite places to explore, like those beaches and um, those downtown areas as well. It always seemed to me that uh, driving down Cape with all of its blues that kind of, um, you know, from the water into the sky blend into one palette. You were like driving into an Edward Hopper <laughs> yes. painting, you know. So, and how about you, Sarah? Um, well, in Kituit, I've been kind of discovering new stuff. I went to Oregon Beach recently for the first time, which is this beautiful, beautiful beach, um, basically at the end of Kituit where it meets the ocean. Um, and it's a, parts of it are private, but walkers are welcome. So it's a nice place. I'm a fairly big runner. So I actually like walked into it at the end of a run. Um, really beautiful. Loop Beach in Katu, it's great also. Um, and Wellfleet also has been really nice. I'd, like Haley said, the Outer Cape is far away and obviously you're not driving through there to get to anything else but the Outer Cape itself. Um, so getting to see those places which are definitely less commercially developed than some of the parts of the Lower Cape or the you know Upper Cape like that. Um, I mean, that's my favorite kind of thing about Cape Cod is those like home run, hometown businesses and the, f the feel of the communities over there. Well, certainly in the right business then. Um, I, I've heard, I'm moving on a little here, but 
we hear tell often that one of the problems with being um, a younger person on Cape Cod is that there's there's not a lot of places to go, especially if you are too young to go to bars, um, and that there's just not a lot of gathering places. I know you guys, um, not just the two of you, but the other interns that are here for the summer, that this group has been very, very close-knit. What are some of the things that you found to do? Um, well, our crew likes to go um, out to dinner. Um, that's kind of been our yeah, our go-to go um, in the immediate hyannis area whenever we can find a chance to. I what also, they mean is when they can get out of work. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to say also that I, I think Cape Cod is awesome for how many little ice cream stores there are everywhere. So a big thing that we've been trying to do kind of in light of everybody's schedule is get to some of the family-owned ice cream stops because, I mean, summer on the Cape, I think that's kind of like the pinnacle of what you get up to, especially if you're looking for a place to go maybe after dinner and it's not a bar. <laughs> have you um, found, have you come across any unusual ice cream flavors or ones that you just are going to miss a lot when you leave? It's funny the ice cream stores on the West Coast where I'm moving back to and where I went to school, um, Moose Tracks is just not a thing there. And I, I think that's a pretty big East Coast mainstay flavor. Um, so I'm taking advantage of that. And <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about, but could you describe for our audience? Uh... Yeah, a lot of the times Moose Tracks is like a vanilla ice cream with like a fudge ripple and then some little peanut butter cups or something thereof um, in the mix. I'm a big fan personally, so that's something I'll miss when I leave. How about you? Have you tried anything unusual in the ice cream front? Um, I haven't tried it, but I did see like a lobster flavored oh. ice cream someplace. <laughs> um, I was not daring enough to try it, but I, I did see it and I thought only on the cave. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I have tried it and brought it back to the office once for everyone to try. It's at uh, Bill and Bob's in Falmouth and uh, um, it is, it's sort of like a, a light butter ice cream with actual chunks of lobster in it. Wow. So it, uh, you, you have to be willing to get past the fact, you know, lobster doesn't have a terribly strong fishy taste. Mm. So it's, it's really not bad. I, I don't think a lot of people, um, I think it's more a case of people saying, I ate lobster ice cream rather than, oh yes, I'm gonna go to this particular place for lobster ice cream. Right. <laughs> so I, um, I, I wonder if you could maybe each tell us about, and understandably, uh, we work primarily in, in features and lifestyle, although these ladies have also uh, done stories that have been on page one and uh, traveled quite a bit. You've been to the islands between you more than, uh, more than I've been in the past year, but uh, um, could you each tell us about a story that particularly... Um, uh, particularly held your interest and, and uh, maybe opened your eyes to some new things? Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite stories this summer have been the ones where I've had the chance to meet um, just people who live and work on the Cape. Um, I mean, with the film festivals, like, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk with celebrities and everything. That's been awesome. But my favorites have been when we just talk with people who are actually from the Cape and actually working. So I think... Um, one of my favorites is for National Donut Day. We featured a couple of the local businesses and bakeries, and that was just um, a really cool look into how these small businesses on the Cape are thriving, especially um, 
in the food business, and I think um, that was one of my my favorite ones to work on. And as I recall, you spoke to someone who was running a donut truck. Is that right? Yes, on Freezer Road in Sandwich, um, and it's yeah, it's an awesome it's an awesome spot. So it was a it was a good introduction to some different spots on the Cape um, that are definitely worth checking out. And did you also get down to um, is it did you get down to East Ham? Yes, Hole in One Bakery. Which is an institution, been there forever. <laughs> Still has a terrific donut. And, you know, I try not to donut, if I can use that as a verb. I just try <laughs> not to donut because I don't need to donut. Um, but uh, the thing at, at uh, Hole in One is that they have the daily special on a mm -hmm. platter by the register. That seems unfair, you know. And it's right rarely, there. So now the best thing to do is to just go with friends and then you can take that one donut and split it into two or three pieces and, and uh, you know, uh, divide the calories and, and, and uh, share the enjoyment. So, And uh, Sarah, you know, I, I think about you a lot with the movie festivals because uh, just um, today, is it today? Yeah, today you have a, a story in about a Martha's Vineyard Festival. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, that was an amazing experience. On Monday, I went down to Oak Bluffs to cover uh, the Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival. Um, and covering the film festivals, that's something new for me. I've, I've not been um, involved with event coverage of film festivals prior to working here. Um, so something I noticed there and something I noticed also at the Woods Hole Film Festival is that it's really an opportunity for the Cape to kind of showcase local artists and to to highlight the the kind of artist colony that exists here because there's there's a pretty strong arts and film and you know entertainment culture on the Cape. Um, so I got to see Amazing Grace at the Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival, which was footage of Aretha Franklin live recording a gospel album, which was really incredible. Um, I got to watch in the theater um, The Black Godfather, which is done by Netflix. Um, and it's always interesting kind of seeing these films that you might not get to see on a big screen, you know, in a theater with a live audience. Um, and especially, you know, short films or films made by independent or independently made films, that's always, I think, really special too. So getting to interact with those people and understand what brought them to the Cape and the Islands has been also um, just incredible. You know, one of the privileges of, of working on the Cape for a long time has been that I've literally seen a, a generation of children born and move on to college. And, and that's a really special feeling. But the other thing that is a luxury of the Cape is that um, someone is always here. The people you meet, you know, they've, uh, everyone has a great story to tell. Some of them have some very public stories to tell. Um, a few years before her, her death, Aretha Franklin was here, uh, at the uh, Melody Tent mm -hmm. and, um, she did an interview with us. And the thing that sticks with me most about that interview is that she did her own publicity. So I picked up my messages one day and heard that unmistakable voice say, Hello, this is Miss Franklin calling, <laughs> and uh, and she was that was her, you know, uh, kind and warm, but but imperious and and uh, and in control. So, I see um, I see Jason writing, and uh, let's read this question here, which reminds me, by the way, I was remiss in not saying to all of you, if you have any questions for our uh, our guests, to please. Um, Please uh, write them in on your Facebook Live, and we will get to them. 
So this is from Jane Reed Wilson, a friend of mine who has a house here and in, in, in Philadelphia. And she's uh, writing from Philly saying, if you had one piece of knowledge gained from this experience, what would it be? Good question. Um, yeah, I can start. Um, <laughs> I'd say, first, Jane, thank you for your question. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is to listen with open ears. Um, I know that sounds kind of corny, but seriously, like there are so many stories that came up this summer that um, I would have never, you know, I live just 40 minutes away and I still just would have never um, expected so, so, so much happening on the cave. So I think just like listening and having an open mind, um, not only when reporting on a story, but when seeking stories as well, is just to um, really like listen to the people and everything happening around you. And I think that can um, lead to good journalism. Don't you find that often you go out for one and come back with 10? Oh, completely, yes. <laughs> it, uh, and uh, Sarah, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I guess if I had to pinpoint one kind of like bit of knowledge or experience that's come out of this so far, it'd probably be there's no such thing as a dumb question. Thank you, Jane, by the way, for writing in. Um, I think that kind of serves in a there's like twofold in the sense that when you're adjusting to a new community or a new role, um, asking something about, you know, a topic or a, an assignment you're not sure about is never a foolish thing to do. And also in the sense that when I've been interviewing different um, sources or subjects, you know, asking the questions that might seem obvious, but in reality are a little bit more nuanced than you might expect is where I think I found some of the gems of the things that I've reported on this summer in the sense that sometimes people you know, it could be as, as simple as asking, oh, you know, did you grow up on the Cape and you discover a whole backstory to a person? Um, so don't be afraid to just ask what's on your mind. Yeah. My favorite, and I've heard you guys do this when you've been on the phone, is that ending question, uh, which is, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you think is important to this question, to this story? Because um, usually there is. <laughs> so, uh Tell me a little bit about the fact that um, you guys are choosing to be journalists at a time when we are we are living in a lot of dire conversation about the the future of this industry. And um, tell me a little bit about what gives you the the bravery to to choose that field. What what makes you feel confident that that we're still going to be doing something as journalists? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's important to remember that, yes, it's a changing field, but I don't think it's a dying field. Um, it's evolving, yes, um, but just because we're switching the mediums in which, you know, we're communicating, um, that doesn't mean that journalism is going anywhere soon. And I think that if this is a time where we need journalism more than ever, so um, it's a great responsibility, but it's... Um, I think it's an exciting field to enter, especially at this time. Yeah. Um, most of my experience has been in local newsrooms, and I consider myself lucky to kind of have encountered um, communities that have local newspapers. I know that there are some places where there really is no news coverage of, of small communities. Not that the Cape is necessarily small, but you have these rural places in the world where there really is no news coverage. Um, and so for me, I think it's it's about understanding that even though, you know, 
it's it is a changing time for the industry. That's kind of exciting. I mean, someone's going to have to figure out what the new model for journalism is and how to take news digital and I don't know that it's going to be me, but it's going to be somebody. So I'm excited to kind of ride that wave and and see what comes of it. Um, And in that sense, I mean, there are so many exciting things to be done in the digital world. You have the Daily from the New York Times, their podcast. Um, There's, you know, this show is incredible. Also, you have so many things that newspapers are doing to kind of innovate and tap into that digital pull that I think it's just it's a great time to be going into the industry. It has been exciting, uh, even for people who have worked in the field for a long time. We also have uh, two sports casts that I'm sure many of you watch, as well as the Fun Show, which is a high-energy, crazy look at the Cape. And I'm still trying to decide if I'm um, brave enough and high-energy enough to, uh, to, to do a guest spot on there. <laughs> have they captured either one of you? Yes, and I pretty much use the word captured mindfully (laughs) because when they are doing their show, the fun show, it is hugely possible. Uh, popular, but the uh, it is so loud at times that the walls vibrate. (laughs) So if you need a high energy boost, check out the the Cape Cod Fun Show. It um, it's it's wonderful to have you here because we are more and more conscious. You know, we've always thought we were writing for Cape Codders, and now we're thinking, you know. Who is in that group? You know, which age groups, which, um, you know, uh, economic groups? How how can we reach the most people? So I want to ask you, um, you've been teaching me about, uh, you know, I already had some social media knowledge, thanks to, to the, the Jasons, Jason Kolnos and Jason Savio. But uh, we've been doing things with, um, with uh, Instagram and, and these guys will come back and say, oh, yeah, we can do a video, you know. <laughs> so tell me as consumers of news um, what you guys look for. Um, I think more than ever, visuals are huge. Um, I think that people love pictures and people love videos and, um, you know, where everything is like our age is a lot of us get our news from digital platforms, whether that be Twitter or a podcast. And I think um, finding creative ways to, um, you know, deliver that in ways just beyond the words. Obviously, words aren't going anywhere. Words are so important. But um, I think presentation is a lot honest, creative, innovative presentation of journalism. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean dressing it up to cover. No, that just means, you know, how can we tell a story in through a graphic or through a single tweet? To make it more accessible? To make it more accessible, to make it more digestible. Um, I think it'll, that's one of the keys. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I agree. Um, I think it's like, it's an interesting question to ask to us because obviously like we're two young people who are interested, have a vested interest in the news industry. So you definitely turn outside of people in the industry and maybe the interest falls off just slightly or people don't want to read like a 3000 word feature or profile because they just don't have the time or necessarily the interest. Um, I look definitely for graphics too. And more and more, I find myself interested in podcasts. Um, I think that there's something, I mean, especially if you have people with commutes or you have people who are balancing kind of movement with trying to digest news, it's it's an interesting way to kind of deliver um, the news of the day. I, I mostly look for, I mean, innovation. I think 
there's nothing like I love a good long features piece. I mean, that's why it's been so fun to work here. Um, but I, I think it is to a certain extent about the way that they're presented and, and packaged. I don't say that as like an advertising kind of standpoint, more in the sense that, you know, news matters, it, but it matters that it makes it to the right audience too. So it's kind mm -hmm. of about how do we deliver that in, in the best way possible. And uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been even having this discussion. Uh, and yes, I, it does occur to me that when I ask you guys that question, you're already committed. But I'm assuming that you, you have friends who maybe are not <laughs> journalists and, uh, and you're looking at, uh, and we're looking at what interest uh, that particular group. It's sort of like theaters, uh, live theater and uh, opera, looking to uh, involve students when they're young because they're growing their audiences. And I think that's true for journalism as well. You know, it's not like we're selling a, a product that uh, the people are going to eat or, or, um, or, or wear. Um, it's, um, so we're looking for ways to deliver a product that, that, um, you know, that people can, um, want to feel welcome consuming. And the interesting thing you say about podcasts though, is I think a big part of journalism is knowing who's doing your podcasts. You know, how do you trust that person and, uh, um, what, what are you looking for from them? I mean, there are people who, I'm not telling you this, but perhaps I'm telling some of you guys this. There are people who have, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers for the outfits they're wearing, and it's simply because they have a, an interest in fashion. Um, that may be fine. On the other hand, you may want to know who's behind um, your your favorite political podcast. And I still love, have always loved um, podcasts like The Moth because they go right to the heart of those stories that we've been discussing, you know, and we're all in the business because we like to tell a, a true story, mm. right? Right. So I, um, I wish we would get some more questions, but I am glad that you got to meet these two wonderful um, co-workers of mine. And uh, as I say, they are not our only paid interns. We also have someone in sports you've probably met out on the fields because she does a lot of uh, work at the games. And uh, there's someone in, um, in our online department, someone in news. It's always a pleasure to uh, have people, a new crew come in every summer and bring you know ideas because we may do a story and then forget that it's been 10 years since we did that story. So <laughs> we want to uh, have that new blood and that's true of the, the new staff as well with different ages. Everybody comes into, into the country story at a different time, you know, by, mm -hmm. by having a, a mixed age kind of uh, staff. And I, I wish you guys the best, although I know you're not going to need good luck because <laughs> as soon as we get, a, get out of here, I'm going to be saying, did we do this? Did we do that? And uh, um, they'll be tired of me. I thank you all for coming and, and meeting. Um, if you didn't get a chance to meet them uh, out on stories, you may for a while. Haley leaves us on Friday, but uh, Sarah came later, so she'll be with us till the end of the month. And um, if you have interns in your own offices, I, I think that they bring an incredible wealth of knowledge that we can grow from. And uh, that's made it a wonderful, a wonderful summer. I also want to do a little bit of advertising to remind you that you can get this broadcast as a podcast in, and you can listen in the car. Uh, just put go to capecodtimes.com 
slash Life with Gwen podcast. And you can sign up for the podcast and it will come to you each week. Um, also, if you'd like to see old episodes, I know a lot of people still ask me about Phoebe the Corgi. <laughs> she is, uh, her show lives at capecodtimes.com slash life with Gwen. Um, upcoming, if you've been curious about acupuncture, we have a little something coming up. And um, also pet first aid is on the calendar. So I hope you'll join us next week. High noon on Wednesdays. I promise I'll be on time. And uh, life with Gwen. Thanks for watching.